0: We see
1: your the soul with our wondering eye There's only one light
0: on And the darkness is creeping There's only one light And the chill in the air We promise you stories for closer toward us
1: than <sighs> the
0: By now you'll know that the Wondering Eye Curio's team are partial to a little slice of the macabre. For us, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without discussing the coercive lyrics of baby it's cold outside or reliving the childhood trauma of being woken up in the middle of the night by your new Furby which has started to speak even though you haven't put in any batteries yet. Settle down once more by the fire as we tell you some traditional festive tales that we hope won't give you nightmares. It's December
1: 1823 and you've just turned seven years old. Having a birthday so close to Christmas has always seemed like a bad deal to you but growing up in Iceland around the holidays does have its perks. For one thing, it's almost guaranteed to snow. For another, your family always makes sure you get the first slice of smoked lamb on Christmas Day. It's been 77 years since the government officially banned adults from terrorising children with the story of the Yule Lads. But your grandmother still insists that the youth of today should know the tales in case they ever encounter one of the monsters. Rather than a jolly bearded man dressed in red, Iceland has 13 filthy trolls who do the bidding of their mother, a child-eating giantess named Grela. Each year, your maternal grandmother joins you for the month of December. She's cranky, always complaining about her aching hip and digestive issues. Her table manners leave a lot to be desired, and that's coming from a young boy. She likes to stir her lukewarm tea with the stump of her index finger, saying that it warms her phantom fingertip. You try not to get stuck beside her at dinner. Tonight, your parents both had to go out to separate appointments, and you're left alone with your grandmother. She settled by the fire hours ago, and barks at you now to come over and add another log. Sit, she says. You make an excuse about needing to tidy, but she pulls you down into the chair beside her, with a surprisingly tight grip around your wrist. You sigh, lean back, and resign yourself to her inevitably boring tale. Her features darken as she leans in close. Boy, she says. You better pay attention. From the 12th of December to the 24th, the Yule lads come down from the mountain one by one to terrify the residents of this town. Each with their uniquely horrible traits, the brothers revel in the terror they cause. The one known as Sheepcoat Clod sneaks into barns to suckle on sheep, window peeper, watches children through their bedroom windows, waiting for the slightest hint of eye contact. If he gets it, boy, he will steal you from your bed. People will tell you that they're just mischievous, just playing pranks on us village folk. Don't you believe them? They may have cutesy names like Skier Gobbler, but what these monsters really have a taste for is the flesh of children. And they didn't just wake up one day and decide to do this. Oh no. They were taught to like the taste of people by their vile mother, Greela. People say that throughout the year, Greela collects whispers about naughty children across the island. And when the winter finally comes, she sends her boys to collect them. Her appetite for flesh is insatiable. She is huge almost as tall as the mountain itself. Her chin is bearded and her teeth black as charcoal. There are many warts on her face and hands. Oh, those hands, they haunt me even now. My mother told me she was always watching, a threat in the mountains above us. Once she has collected the children, dragging them in a sack back to her cave She cooks them up, while they're still living, in a giant pot of stew which sustains her and her lazy oath of a husband throughout the year. By the time the stew runs out, December has come around again and she preys on another group of children. Some years she's too lazy to leave her hovel and relies on her boys to bring her fresh meat. Your grandmother takes a sip of her tea, leaning back into the armchair as if the story has exhausted her. Although you're wrapped in a blanket and the fire is burning, your skin is mottled and cold. A quiet mew comes from beneath you. Smiling, you reach down and stroke your cat between the ears. He purrs appreciatively, closing his eyes with pleasure. Ha! Your grandmother exclaims suddenly, bet you think all cats are good and nice too, well not old Greela's cat. She begins again in earnest, glancing suspiciously at the cat who's now settled on your lap. Yolokoturin is a huge demonic cat who prowls the streets like a lion, seeking its prey. Like its owners, the Yule cat prefers the taste of human flesh. The only way to save yourself from its Jaws boy is to leave out the clothes you got for Christmas. That's why each year I always give my family new clothes, just in case. I know your mother thinks it's boring, but it saved her life many times in the past. She was never up early enough to see the paw prints. Your grandmother goes quiet then, looking pensive. You think about everything she just said, the scary family in the mountains who eat children. Horrifying, but when she mentioned things like this before, you never took her seriously. But now, as you watch her eyes flicking between you and your cat, you realise that she truly believes in these stories. She isn't just trying to scare you, An hour later, your mother returns home. She kisses you on the head and lays a blanket over your grandmother, who's now snoring softly in the chair. As she tucks you in, you ask her about the stories. She rolls her eyes and laughs. She's always been that way, your mother says. So very suspicious. You know her missing fingertip. She's never told me what really happened to it. Whenever I asked, she insisted that as a young girl she had been awoken one night, one cold, dark night, by a knock at the window, and outside there were several small, dirty men. When she went out to see why they were there, she said that one of them approached her, went to shake hands, and when she extended hers, he leant down and bit off the tip of her finger. Don't look so worried, darling. I love my mother, but you can't really trust anything she says. Now off to bed with you. Your mother taps you on the head, ruffling your hair a little. And you make your way, fearfully, to bed.
0: Saint Nicholas is shown as a lone figure in the UK working tirelessly for just one night, doing a year's worth of work alone in the freezing cold. He is aided during the year, however, by his army of elves and cared for by the loving Mrs. Claus. It's an idyllic picture that harkens back to the original idea of Saint Nicholas, one man making a difference. It's the dream, right? Across Europe, though, he doesn't work alone, he is often accompanied by monstrous creatures who act as the antithesis to his holy self, doling out punishments while he gets to do the nice parts. We've already looked into Krampus and his taste for children, France meanwhile, has another festive monster who works alongside Saint Nick, a man who wouldn't be out of place in a horror film. Not many seasonal tales feature cannibalism, infanticide, or resurrection, let alone all three, so buckle up. Since the Middle Ages, and excuse me if I'm butchering this, Pere Foutard has accompanied Saint Nick. He's known as the Whipping Father. The thick black beard covering his face only exacerbates his sunken, menacing eyes. He wears dirty, black robes and carries a whip, a frightening figure to any who sees him. Pere foutard was a butcher, a master of his craft. He sold meat to a community rife with poverty. One year, a dreadful famine struck the land, plunging the town into even bleaker circumstances. The crops were dead, and there was little food for the animals, never mind their owners. Futard was getting by, better than most. He had been salting and preserving meat for years, and had a healthy stash which the locals relied on. Seizing an opportunity, Futard decided to raise his prices. Necessity breeds custom, after all. Disgusted, but still desperately hungry, the townspeople were forced to pay his inflated costs just to survive. One evening, A desperate mother sent her young son and his two friends out to look for a scrap to eat. She had no coins left, nothing even to barter with. Her baby was hungry, so were her other children, and her eldest son was humble and resourceful. Surely he would step up for the family, now his father was dead. The boys walked the streets in good spirits despite their rumbling bellies. They first checked the fields for any sign of growth. Finding nothing there, they searched the hedges for small rodents or a plump rabbit. The landscape was desolate, and no amount of hours searching would change that. Turning towards home, one boy suggested they visit the local butcher, Perhaps he had some bones or offal he could give them. The boys had never met the man before and thought, perhaps, they would charm him. When Futard opened the door, they were taken aback at his dishevelled appearance, but quickly remembered their goal. The boys pleaded their case, begging for any scrap he could provide. After much denial, Futard seemed to have a change of heart Perhaps seeing these boys hungry and shivering had reached him somehow. He opened the door wide then, suggesting there may be some meat about to go off that he could give to the boys in exchange for some manual labour. He was getting old, he said. Lifting the pigs' carcasses was becoming increasingly difficult. Thrilled, the boys filed into the shop, rolling up their sleeves ready to help and pleased to bring good news to their mothers there would be no returning home. The butcher, with very little effort considering his age, killed the boys, hacking up their limbs into small, easily digestible pieces, which he tossed into a barrel of salt water. Handling the meat would be just as easy as the usual pigs he preserved. Rumours had been circling for weeks that noblemen were on their way through town, and who better to sell to than them? Fresh meat always had a better taste, after all. A knock at the door came after twilight. Standing there was Saint Nicholas. Without saying a word, he stepped past Futard and approached the barrel. With a deep voice, he commanded that the boys arose. One by one, they stepped out of the barrel, whole and alive. When asked how they were feeling, They wore sleepy smiles and said they had been dreaming of heaven. Legend states that at the sight of the boys, Futard got on his knees and begged St. Nicholas for forgiveness. While this may also be construed as an act of redemption, to me it seems the desperate act of a man who had just witnessed such great and unbelievable power. He was actually just terrified what his punishment may be turn out to be
1: However you choose to celebrate this year the Wandering Eye Curio's team hope you have the most wonderful Christmas We also hope that you survive the holiday season without any malicious creatures sneaking down your chimney
0: Wondering Eye Curios is brought to you by myself, Jasper Chanter, and my co-host Meg James. The podcast is scripted and performed by both of us and produced by me. Music is scored and performed by Amy Marianne, with lyrics by myself. Our intro song, for better or worse, is sung by us. Find us on Instagram at Wondering Eye Curios and over on Twitter at Wondering iPod. Pod. Stay spooky, friends. Until next time. Since the Middle Ages Pere <laughs> Oh my god I can't speak French. Futard Sure.